Welcome back to Work Woman. I am pumped to have you here because we are doing some Q and some A. Well, I'm not gonna be doing too much Q, but I'm hopefully gonna be do, doing a lot of A. So is that a weird way to start a podcast? I think it probably is. I just kind of went to a different path in my head. You know how that happens where like, you think something's gonna land and it takes a different, anyway, I'm gonna be done. So. I'm so thrilled that you are here. If you have not subscribed to this podcast already, please subscribe. If you haven't left a five-star review, please leave a review. And if you have not actually written a review, just go do that. Just like hit a quick pause and go do that. Okay, now you're back. I'm so glad you're back here. Well, today on the A part of the Q&A part, um, we are just gonna kick this right off with Mo. Mo is a wonderful Cardo Ventures client. He was at a 10X 360 just a couple of months ago. Mo's question, how do you renegotiate contracts for current employees? I'm gonna make some assumptions here as I go through the process of giving you some advice. First assumption I'm gonna make is that they are underperforming um, because if they were overperforming, the renegotiation on your side would be pretty pretty easy because you would say, hey, these are your KPIs. You are overperforming, therefore you're getting this incentive payout based on these KPIs. So if that's the case, or if you are, if they're overperforming, then I don't see why you would need to necessarily renegotiate that contract. You would just pay them out based on the value that they're bringing to the business. Uh, If they need to be renegotiated from a, you are paying them too much, uh, the first step that I would take is not decreasing pay if you're going to be renegotiating. If you're thinking that they're being paid too much and they're not really bringing that value, I would get tighter on figuring out what the KPIs are that are specific to their role that they need to be driving. And if they aren't actually able to hit those KPIs, it wouldn't be a renegotiation, it would be finding somebody in a new role. It's actually replacing that person because what we're not gonna do is take a performer who's underperforming and put them in a lesser role so they can try to perform at that. You set KPIs for a role, you should have at least, using uh, what we refer to as a three by three model, meaning there was somebody that was able to prove out that that role could do that level of KPI and hit that target. So for us, like think of um, think of a sales role. We would never for a brand new salesperson say, your sales quota for the day is bringing in $100,000 per salesperson worth of business and making 450 outbound phone calls. Like that would be the wrong expectation to set because nobody in our business has ever done that. The most that somebody has ever done would be what the KPI is. And if the person wasn't able to hit the KPI, we already know that one person has been able to do that. So we would continue to look for talent until we found more people who were able to do that. But we wouldn't lower the target or lower their compensation because that's still the function that that role is supposed to play. It has nothing to do with the person. I would consider looking at where your KPIs are, how clear those KPIs are. If you have somebody who's already been doing that level of target for each individual KPI, and if they're not able to hit those KPIs, go through the verbal warning process, let them know that they're not hitting their call quota, they're not hitting their revenue targets, they're not hitting their conversion targets, whatever that is. And then when they aren't able to hit that, then you would go through the 
written warning process. And then you go into the performance improvement plan, give them all of the training that they need, make sure that you are helping shadow anything that they're running into issues with so that you are truly setting that person up for success. But if they are not able to hit that, then they're not the right fit and you need to start looking for new team members. All right, the next question is coming at us from Augustus. Augustus writes, should I hire and bring the right people on quickly even if the production has to catch up? So Augustus, the answer should be found in the last BNN episode that is titled From Zero to 24 Million in 18 Months, where Brandon and I break down the exact process for how to bring on new team members. Only when you have the capital to be able to bring team members on do you actually bring team members on. You do not wait or you do not bring team members on in order to fulfill the production when you don't even have the commitments for the production already. For bringing on team members, getting sales, because here's the deal, Augustus, you're a good person. I believe that when you make a commitment to a client that you will produce X for them, you will figure out a way to do that. There's this principle, it's commit first, figure the rest out later. You are making a commitment by taking somebody's money and delivering to them what they paid you for. All of a sudden, as soon as you have that money, you will be able to figure out how to get the resources behind it in order to fulfill that because you will set it up in such a way that will allow you to do that. But don't get out in front of your skis, start hiring people, and then find yourself in a situation where your cash flow is negatively impacted because you didn't get the orders and the sales weren't really there and you have all these team members depending on you. That's going to decrease morale when you have to either fire them or have everybody take pay cuts or when you're not being able to get paid, like the whole business suffers when that happens. So do this in the right order. Figure out your sales and your marketing first and then hire the team to be able to fulfill those things. The next question is coming from Flash and Flash's question is, how do you build a good team when you're 18 and studying in college? Now, Flash, I don't know a lot about your business because this is the only context that you gave me, but I would like to draw your attention to when you're 18 and in college, you need to focus on how you are going to create you as a leader and be able to do the things that will create influence so a team will believe in you. As an 18-year-old, it's easy for people to not take you seriously, to underestimate you, to think that you should not build a team. I'm not saying any of that, but what you need to build up are things like discipline. So when you're in communication with people, your classmates, make sure that you keep at the forefront of your mind that your reputation is important. That's how you start building a team. Your reputation and the way that, when I say discipline, that my definition of discipline is doing the things that you say you're going to do. So if you tell somebody as a college student who's trying to build a team that you're going to do something and you don't actually fulfill on that commitment, you're decreasing your influence over them and you're decreasing your believability that you could truly influence and lead a team. So the first thing I would work on is when you say you're gonna do something, hey, I'm gonna meet you at this time, it's really easy, especially in today's day and age. I was not, it was not that long ago that I was in college. It's really easy for people to be flaky uh, and it's to say that you're gonna to commit to something and then kind of blow out, do the kids still call it ghosting? Back in my day, it was like, you know, you're ghosting somebody. Don't be that person. That is how you start building a reputation that you are a leader. Now, as you are looking for other people around you that you could be influencing, some of the things that I would look for is, are those people known for ghosting? Are those people doing what they say that they're going to do? Are they making good choices? When I was in college, there was always this fine line between 
uh, the people who you knew were cool in the moment, but might not really be applying themselves. As unpopular as it might seem, you need to surround yourself with the people who are the right influences and who are going to be going somewhere in the long run, not the people who are cool. I sound like such a grandma even saying this. I cannot believe that these words are coming out of my mouth. It was only flash so that you know, it was only like six years ago that I left college seven years ago. Um, but I, that's one of the most important pieces of information that I think I really would have wished that I listened to is it's fun to have good experiences and you're finally in college and you're 18, but if you're already thinking of building a team, which I love the question for, and I love your tenacity at 18, you really do have to be paying attention to where are these people going? Are they going somewhere that you want to be at? And if you feel like there's already this separation where you have these ideas and you have these dreams and you're, you're dragging people along with you, let them go. Do not feel like you have to continue to drag them and that demonstrates that you are a leader and willing to not take the path that everybody else is. The next question asks, how do you attain great employees? This has been our issue. How do you attain great employees? I should just tell you to go to cardoventures.com forward slash people and sign up for my people essentials because it's not just one thing that allows an organization to attain great team members. It's every single touch point that the employee experiences. It's how you're representing your business on social. It's what the actual post looks like. It's how you communicate your mission, vision, and values, but then also utilize them so that when somebody has a touch point where they're meeting another team member, there's alignment between what you say you are and how they actually experience that. If you're looking for great team members, one of the other things that's a little bit harder to talk about, and you could go to my episode on why I love firing people, has nothing to do with me actually loving firing people and everything to do with, if you're looking to get great team members, but you're letting sub-performing team members or non-high performers in your environment, you are going to repel the type of performer that you're truly looking for. And so I would take a, a honest look and assessment at your existing environment and say, okay, uh, if I have Joe and Susan and they're kind of drainers and they're not really people that are motivating and inspiring and people that you really want to be in the trenches with, you might not have to let them go right now, but you do need to address that they are not in alignment with what the culture needs to move into and you have to be unwilling to give up on where you are going in the process of getting rid of people that do not fit that vision because what you're accidentally doing by allowing those people in your environment is sending the message to your team that you're not really serious about the business. You're not really serious about getting to wherever it is that you've stated that you wanna go. My gut tells me that as your candidates experience you, you will weed out the sub-performers or just the average performers and the environment will attract a high performer that is truly a great team member that you're looking to attain because they know that that's the right environment for them. All right, the last question is around how somebody overcomes being known as the boss's son doing everything that he can do to be his dad, who's the owner, uh, and the dynamic of teammates having known you from birth. Now, I don't have a lot of experience in people in our environment knowing me from birth, but I can relate to a dynamic uh, where I am the boss's fiance. I'm not 
thank God, Brandon's daughter, dear Laura, that like took me. It's like, am I? This is this is really turned into quite an interesting podcast. I'm not Brandon's daughter, however, I do understand this idea of people entirely underestimating you and thinking that you were given a seat at the table and that you didn't have to work hard for it. I really struggled with this complex for a while and I'm sure with being the boss's son, especially male on male dynamic, again, I don't have any experience on this and I only wanna give answers to questions that I really can be helpful in, um, but I would assume that that's even more of a dynamic because men are competitive. Brandon and I don't compete, but you want to be your dad, but he probably wants you to be better for the team than he was, but there's also this like very male masculine energy that exists. Um, the way that I've handled the dynamic of being in a role that you feel like everybody just assumes that you're there because you were given the role is I keep going back to this word, discipline. I have chosen to be incredibly disciplined in the way that I show up to this team. To be very honest with you, I knew that I was just given the opportunity. Like I knew that it was not as if all things were equal and, and I was chosen out of merit or I was chosen out of um, being the right choice like I knew that I was not naive enough to think oh this is just all even and to the extent that you know that you can you can leverage that and if you're unwilling to accept that well it's just it's quite honestly not true you were you are in the position that you're in because your dad chose you to be there and you had an unfair advantage but unfortunately but also fortunately this thing called life um, that is what it is so you have two choices you can either choose to stay and this is something that I really really used to wrestle with you can choose to stay and work your way through figuring out how people can respect you for the way that you show up and that you contribute because you already know that you're that person. Or you can choose to leave because your ego cannot live with people always assuming this about you. And for me, I didn't want to take the path of quitting on the opportunity because the ego was in my mind, the lamest thing that I could give into. Like I can handle that people will always underestimate me. And I can use that to my advantage in many situations because they do think that I just got a seat at the table. You have the exact same situation. So how do you use that to very blatantly work harder than everybody else, know what you're doing, become an expert in that field, so you have to do all of that and you do have to work harder, but you can't tell anybody you're working harder. So that's just like, you're my little secret. Like, that's okay. I feel you, I hear you, I'm with you on that. Uh, but then when people come at you with the judgment or looking at you a certain way or making comments, you can never react from a place of, I worked just as hard or I worked harder. You just have to know that that's your secret weapon and it's your superpower and you have to be able to flip that in a moment's notice because you will always for the rest of your life have that. But quitting and doing something else because you can't overcome that 
for me, it's a story, you probably wouldn't even be asking me this question if I wouldn't have pushed through that. And there are so many people who have that same story. And is it really the right thing to do to just quit and give up on it because of your own ego? Uh, I hope that that's not the case for you because my gut tells me that you can be an incredible example for somebody who has a generational business where the son was a fucking rock star, added value and did things that dad wasn't able to do that will make dad proud. But you have to walk through that and you have to be okay with those moments where it's it's hard and know that and just know that you're creating something that's an opportunity for you to share to other people and for you to come out so fucking strong on the other side of it because I'm sure giving up on your family business would weigh on you in a different sort of way now you can just choose to quit and that's totally fine too maybe that's the right decision for you maybe there's a lot of dynamics for me there wasn't a lot of dynamics it was me quitting on my own opportunity um, whatever you do, I'm here for you. I support you. I hope that you make the right decision. Um, but you can't go wrong because you'll figure it out. You have to figure it out. There's no, there's no alternative. All you know how to do is flourish and prosper. That's what I tell myself often. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's the only thing I've ever known how to do. So with that, guys, this was an awesome episode of Work Woman. I am so appreciative of your questions. Can hardly wait for the next time we get to do this, which will be next week on Tuesday. Please subscribe, share this, send it to your friends, send it to your mom, send it to really anyone, anyone who you think would get value out of this. You can, you have my permission. Send it to anyone and everyone. Until then, have an awesome, awesome week.